You're listening to Travel Nursing and Allied Life, hosted by Travel. My name is Dylan Callier, and I'm a traveling physical therapist best known for the New Medical Nomads podcast. I'm sitting down with TravCon speakers to give you a sneak peek into what they'll be talking about at the conference this year. My next guest I'm super excited to introduce is an international speaker, author, and comedian. Embracing 40 with gusto, she began her comedy writing and speaking career and found a message using humor that resonates with every audience that she meets. She understands firsthand the struggles of not enough hours in the day with parenting, owning a business, cancer, weight loss, weight gain, and the havoc of all these challenges that can create with self-esteem, health, serenity, and mismatched socks. Balance, she says, is overrated. Her philosophy is to find something to laugh about so everything's easier to get through. Her stories are filled with hope, hilarity, and healing, encouraging audiences to embrace their lives in this moment with all its imperfections while daring to envision more. She is also an award-winning author of five books about health and humor. She is the keynote speaker for TravCon 2021, and her session, Laughing with Healthcare Professionals, is coming up September 26th through the 29th, 2021, in Las Vegas. Ladies and gentlemen, Brenda Elsiger. Hey, nice to see you. Good to be here. Looking forward to it. Awesome. Thank you so much, Brenda, for hopping on. And for the listeners, um, Brenda is our keynote speaker this year, and we're very excited to have her. And I'm going to do a pet peeve of mine when I was growing up. I would introduce or meet um, friends, families, and they'd always say, oh, here's Dylan. He's so funny. And I always felt it set the bar really high. And now I had to really perform. But <laughs> you are a professional comedian and joining us and um, kind of kicking off um, the TravCon conference this year in 2021. But I'm very curious how you got into your current role of international speaking. And I was looking at some of your books, a lot of it's on ostomies and health and intimacy. And um, I believe one was titled, I'd like to buy a vowel, which got me chuckling as well. Um, <laughs> so very curious to hear your story and how you got to where you're at today. Well, it's going to be fun to talk about because I uh, did not know that I had this in me to be a comedian, to be a speaker, to be a writer. I used to own hair salons, believe it or not. That was my first career. And I loved being a hairdresser and I never thought I would not be a hairdresser. And uh, then I got cancer and I had some time off. I had a busy, busy hair salon at that time. I had um, two small children and husband and then I got cancer. It gave me like three, four months to just get out of my routine. And it was nurses. It was nurses that helped me through the most. And so since then, I have really, I have been speaking basically the most, the biggest audience I have all the time is nurses. I just love nurses. Probably I have 10 girlfriends that are nurses and all different kinds of professions. And that, that I think I even wrote the book called Bedpan Banter that has a nurse on the cover. And she's wearing the old-fashioned nurse hat, and she's that she's an actual nurse, and that was her nurse hat out of school, but she doesn't wear that anymore. But it was just to kind of be retro when I wrote that book. And that book is funny stories about uh, that patients and doctors and caregivers and nurses have put together, and I just collect stories and collect people. That's kind of my thing. And I don't plan on being a comedian, but you know how it is when you've heard about the bucket list or what are the things that you should do? You shouldn't really wait to get cancer. Look at the end of your life. You should do things all along if you can. But 
two big things that I never did was become a comedian. And the other thing I never did was um, go to college. So I bought my first salon when I was 21. And I really didn't even know what I wanted to do uh, with college. So that's why I just didn't go. I was very practical and I had to pay for my own way. So I didn't go. Anyway, make a long story short, I didn't go to college until I was 42. And before that, when I found out I had cancer, um, that gave me some time off. And I started looking at things from a humorous perspective, just trying to get through it. And I'm going to talk about some of those stories in my, in my, I don't hold back. Anyway, I'm going to use real words that people say, I'm going to give the patient's perspective on humor and healing. Since then, um, I left the hair profession. I became a national speaker. I didn't know I was a writer until I went to college. And then I scored high on the writing assessments and they said I could write anything I wanted to. So I decided to write my first book and I got an A, just so you know. And it was really a good book. And it was facing having ostomy surgery. I had colorectal cancer which is not that funny of a subject, but I can make it funny when I tell people about what it was like to find out, especially when you have a big butt, you know, and, and you have to have that looked at several times. I mean, nobody likes to have their butt looked at, but when it's really big, I mean, my butt, it was bigger than it is right now. It was so outstanding. Like if I was standing in the kitchen, it was outstanding in the living room. I mean, it's just one of those big butts. So I learned to take that very uncomfortable story. And I think the reason why I was inspired to really talk about it is because then I shortly after I was diagnosed with colorectal cancer at age 39, that um, I recognized colonoscopies could have made a big difference. Had I known about a colonoscopy, maybe I would have gotten one years earlier and been able to save my rectum. So um, I use one of my titles, uh, credentials as um, LRF. Do you know what that might be, Dylan? LRF after my Mm, name. No joke or uh, no clue. (laughs) Yeah, no clue. That's right. Living rectum free. See, that is my special. <laughs> I have Brenda Elsker, LRF. And, and that became um, something I just felt like if I can use my story to help people get a colonoscopy, that became my mission. And so then I started building humor around my experiences going through all that. And a lot of them involved nurses. Nurses really cracked me up a lot when I was in the hospital. And I remember the stories and the intimacy and some of the talks from nurses, Um, the surgeons, God bless them. They saved my life, but the nurses saved my mental health. And honestly, it it was a horrible thing to go through. I mean, I, at the whole first year, I thought, oh my God, I had to get used to wearing a colostomy bag for the rest of my life. And I just thought I couldn't get that bag to stay on. It was a problem. And a nurse got me through that. Um, A nurse helped me in, in so many avenues. I had a wound open up on my rear end because it's such a big rear end, you know, and it opened up and then I had to have a nurse come and help me with that. So constantly nurses have been in and out of my life. So nurses are my favorite audience and they will know it because I appreciate them so much. And I appreciate traveling nurses. I love to travel myself. And so if I could have any profession now, if I could go into any profession, I think it would be a traveling nurse. I think I would love to do that. But what specifically would you, and anything else you want me to specifically touch on wow so yeah you went to college you found out you had this this unique writing skill yeah what was like you're a comedian and so I'm imagining just the first time getting up on it like some stages how did those those first like introductory into the comedian world start and how I was I was it was my 39th birthday this was before I was diagnosed with cancer I was with my 10 girlfriends and we were drinking jumbo margaritas. And you know what can happen? 
you say things that you probably shouldn't really say. And I said in front of all my friends, I'm going to be up there for my 40th birthday. I'm going to do comedy. You just watch and see. And they all smiled and nodded as good friends mm-hmm. too. But then by golly, I did. I mean, I, I was home and I started writing down funny things while I was recovering. My, some of my family members reminded me of that goal. So I started writing funny things down and I thought they were hilarious. And my family thought they were hilarious. But when you get to a comedy club, <laughs> I really thought I had 45 minutes of solid, good materials, more like three. So more like three <laughs> minutes. Unless people love you. If they're strangers to you, they are not going to laugh at just everything you say. And I was considered matronly, Dylan. They called me matronly because I was 40. Hmm. And I would, instead of wearing hip jeans and all stuff, I'd be wearing whatever I wore to work. So I'd have a dress on and I'd be up there on the stage and telling my little jokes. And I didn't, I didn't joke about cancer then because I was still in the middle of it. Hmm. So, I mean, there were, there were times when, you know, when you're a comedian, you, you get three minutes to start when you're first a brand new comedian. And you have to write your own material. So you're supposed to write about what you know. And so my first jokes were all about hair, just hair things, like working in a mortuary, doing dead people's hair, and then making jokes about that. And then um, my first joke, I still remember writing it. And writing jokes for me is very difficult. For some people, it's really easy. But for me, it's hard. My first joke was, uh, my son's eyelashes are so long. And then you say... How long are they? <laughs> yeah, they're so long. Um, he gets split ends. That's what was her first joke. And so people are like, oh, this is going to be a long hour as she talks. But no, it got better. It got better. And so then you start writing and trying, just try different things and try out ways to say things. And there was a, um, and, and I really wanted to be Ellen DeGeneres. I wanted to be Whoopi Goldberg. I wanted to be Carol Burnett. And I was not that funny. And um, And I was trying my hardest to write really good jokes. But going to work and having my kids and having my husband and having a, getting adjusted to the class to me, I couldn't put the time in I really wanted to do. So I was going to quit. And then one of my friends said, well, you should try out for the Twin Cities Funniest Person contest. I said, really? What's, what's that mean? And she said, they are all amateurs. Nobody has been paid to do comedy. You could try out your material there. And I thought, well, at least someday when my kids grow up and they don't like me anymore, I can say, hey, I tried out for this amateur contest. And maybe win a point with them or so. And so I decided I would do it. And there were about 150 contestants. And I won the whole thing. And I got the title uh-huh. of the Twin Cities Funniest Person. And so then I went on the radio. And then different people asked me to, to open for them. And I built up five minutes of material. And pretty soon I built up 10 minutes of material. And then I got 25 minutes of material. And that's how it happens. Mm-hmm. And I don't have a writing staff of 30. So I don't have fresh material all the time. It's the same old stuff. But then I started looking at life with a humorous look. I started looking at everything more humorously. And really, my times in the hospital were more humorous because of the way I looked. And so I started writing down those observances. Then later on, I went to a program called, and a lot of nurses go to this place, the Association of Applied and Therapeutic Humor, AATH.org. And um, it's all about therapeutic humor. You know, like comedians can go pretty blue and can go pretty dark and can go pretty sarcastic. It's not about that. No, it's it's always about lifting up the situation. And so AATH is um, like college level classes on the research and science behind humor. So I will bring some of that to the con- to the conference with me. And I'll talk right. about why humor is so therapeutic in in hospital settings, clinic settings, community settings, home settings, why it can be very therapeutic. And so there's some basic things that 
that humor does for us in our body. It physically can change our body by using humor in lots of ways. Like you can even, if you start really laughing hard, Dylan, if I get you to laugh really hard, you'll be, you'll be able to breathe deeper and, and maybe your lungs will stay clearer longer. Maybe that's what they should be doing with all the COVID patients, making them laugh, make them laugh really hard, keep, keep people laughing. That might help. Oh my gosh, COVID, that has been terrible this year, hasn't it? It Just, has, absolutely. Yeah, I found to uh, hold back a little bit on the jokes if somebody has like rib fractures, because then you, you, you get them laughing and you're having a good time and then they're like, oh, and you feel bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I suppose so. I mean, this has been a year like I've never had because I I speak to large audiences. So guess what? I didn't work this year. I mean, there was a there was a few talks I gave here and there virtually, and I'm I'm very busy. Um, I'm a national. I'm the national director for the United Austin Association. So I am I'm the person the liaison for all the 300 plus support groups across the country. So I'm there, the person they talk to, but. Well, I've stayed very busy being a volunteer, but the main thing is you can bring humor to every situation. And I mean, you can't, I mean, even when people are dying, there has been a way to bring humor that has helped. I have one story in one of my books about a man who's dying and some of the funny things he says at the very end of his life. So there are, there are hardly in any situations where you can't use humor at first it was a, a year ago now when one of my friends was one of the first people to die in Minnesota, the fifth person in our county, number 19 in Minnesota, and who died from COVID. Then I couldn't make jokes for a while, and, and I had been enjoying the jokes, like, you know, the toilet paper in the safe, and they take it out and take out three sheets and then lock the safe back up, you know, that kind of stuff. I had enjoyed those, but then it, then my humor went away for a little bit while I, while I coped with the loss for his wife, and then... When she could joke, then I would joke with her again. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you have to be sensitive to that. So you have to be sensitive to certain situations. Absolutely. But it's been quite a year. And a lot of people um, discovered things. Like I discovered I like to cook and I like to bake. Well, I, I don't really like to bake. I just like to eat the baked goods. But um, <laughs> you know, everybody talks about COVID-19. You know, you gain 19 pounds. I am a high achiever. Uh. <laughs> I'm a high achiever. I gained COVID-19 times two. It's <laughs> I hate to admit it. I hate to admit it. I was going to say, it's, I think it's the 2020-20 that you gain. 2020 <laughs> <laughs> I like that, too. That's great. That's great. Well, a long time ago, uh, Norman Cousins wrote a book called Anatomy of an Illness. He was the original founder of humor and, and the study of it and wow. how he survived longer. And I think he was the one, or else it was somebody else, but I think he was the one that coined the phrase, um, it massages your inner organs when you laugh. You know, that's that's kind of a good massage. Yeah, yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah. And, it you know, like really, you notice that if you're with someone and you both can find a laugh, you have a bond together more. It decreases muscle tension. So if you go to a, if you go to a meeting for work, if someone starts with a joke, it always relaxes everybody. And what I notice in, with patients, too, if you lighten up the situation a little bit, just lighten it up a little bit. They will receive the information that you're telling them easier because they'll be more relaxed. Otherwise, they're really nervous about everything. I mean, that's why you get a kick out of nurses. They're so comfortable in their surroundings. And then, you know, you're like the patient that's come to their living room for the first time, but you got your pajamas on and some weird pajamas you don't normally wear. And then they're just acting like, hey, let's have some coffee. And you're like, God, don't you see I'm in my pajamas here? You know, and it's just, it's just kind of weird, you know, but 
nurses eventually make you feel really comfortable. I think a lot of nurses are at AATH because they like that, mm. that bond, that humor, positive humor. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh yeah. Healthcare, totally absurd. Just a uh, weird, especially, um, you know, just being on the healthcare giving side of it. And when you are reintroduced to it, you know, being a patient on the other side, you're like, Oh yeah. Like you start really appreciating those around who, uh, well, you really do taking care of you. Absolutely. Yeah. I remember, um, I had to have a permanent colostomy. Uh, the tumor was in, in my rectum. So that had to be removed. And along the way, part of my vagina had to be removed and I had to have a hysterectomy. So all that stuff was going on. And, um, and then I left, when I left the intensive care, they put me in a chair with a hole in it, which was nice. So that little ride from the orderly who passed me off to the nurse and she's standing behind me and she pats me on my shoulder and she says, are your, are your privates clean? And I'm thinking, I don't know if my privates are clean. You know, I just had them operated. I mean, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, how do you answer that? And I'm like, ah, uh, ah. Uh, and she goes, oh, oh, I'm not talking to you. She was on the phone. I didn't know it. She was, yeah, I picked up the phone and she was talking to the nurse on the end, other end of the hall, asking if the private rooms were clean. See what I'm saying? <laughs> that was like, okay. <laughs> so that was, that was bizarre. But so nurses got me through a lot of awkward times too, especially with all that stuff done, all that personal stuff done. Um, but I can say anything in front of nurses. And um, nurses also, they're not shocked by anything. And you can you can eat anything while you talk about bowel movements and poop and pee and blood. You nurses usually can eat while you're doing that. And same for people with ostomies. They can do that too. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's almost a joke with, uh, you know, travel nurses going out on dates and then, you know, you're having to sit down dinner, you know, romantic, whatever. And then they're bringing up like wound care or something like that. Something pretty <laughs> visually it's not appealing. Yeah. It's four inches long and three inches deep. <laughs> well, Brenda, is there, what's um, one key takeaway or message that you would like everybody to walk away from? I will give you four, four quick ones. Is that okay? Four. Yeah, absolutely. Let's hit it. This is based on research. This is based on research and, and you can get more research from me. If you want to write to me, I'll send you 10, 20 pages of research, but there's four things that can make a difference in your everyday life. So we're going to come together at the conference and I'm going to make everybody laugh. I'm not just a little giggle here and there. I, a really good guffaw. We're going to laugh hard and then um, we're going to feel better. We're going to notice that right away. So the humor is going to help us. So we're going to feel better. It's going to put a glow on the whole weekend. It's going to be fun. So laughter every day, not just like come to the conference and laugh and then don't laugh for a week. You have to find ways to laugh. So some ways might be find a friend that makes you laugh and call her every day. Look at cartoons, find something funny. I like Ellen's generous clips. I like little clips about animals. They're so fun. So laughter, number one, do that every day. The same thing happens to the body when you listen to music. So if you put music on when you're coming home from work or play music on the way to work, your body will relax just the same way that humor will. So music. And then prayer and meditation has proven to be really important in terms of, again, relaxing the body, taking the stress away from the body. This is what all those things do. Laughter, music, prayer, and meditation. And I like to color. I can use a coloring book and coloring crayons and adult coloring crayons and, and color. And that's my meditation. I think of people when I'm coloring and I write their names down. And sometimes I call them, unless they're in heaven, then I pray for them. Um, and the fourth thing would be, um, and everyone loves this one, and sometimes they abuse it, but it's dark chocolate. You're supposed to eat this one little piece of dark chocolate, uh, not the whole chocolate bar. So just one little piece of it. 
gives you that same kind of uh, dopamine effect as the rest of them. So there's a lot of really good things. And I hope that I can, I can provide all those things for people. I'll have my books there. People can buy them if they want to, or just look at them. It's okay. And I'm looking forward to it. I'll bring my lovely husband with me and we will have some fun with the traveling nurses. Oh, absolutely. It is so fun. And Brenda, we will be excited to see you in TravCon this year, uh, 2021. It's in September every year. It's in Las Vegas every year. And Brenda, for those listeners that are um, really excited to, you know, kind of see your stuff um, and especially your writings, where would you like to direct them to, to kind of get more of you before your. um, Oh, sure. Go to my website, livingandlaughing.com, all spelled out, livingandlaughing.com. And you can order all my books through Amazon. That's easy. Or you can get them while I'm there. They'll be cheaper. But anyway, um, I hope. But yeah, definitely look up stuff. There's jokes there. I'm telling things and there's videos. I do some laughter exercises. We'll be doing those too. And that'll be fun. They won't be embarrassing. They'll be fun. Everything will be good. It'll be fun. Awesome. Well, wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Brenda. And excited to see you at the end of this year. And all the listeners, be sure to... uh, Go check out Brenda's website as well. Um, You can find her books there. And yeah, we will be looking forward to laughing with you up in Las Vegas. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Dylan, for taking the time. Appreciate it. Welcome. Thanks for listening to Travel Nursing and Allied Life. You can find the full show notes below or at travcon.org. Please help us out by rating our podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. 